The strange but true story featured on this podcast contains details some people may find distressing. Listener discretion is advised. I'm Chaya Samuel and things are about to get weird. Hi there, thank you so much for joining me for episode 8 of Things Are About To Get Weird. If this is your first time listening, this podcast is all about those completely bizarre stories. The ones where, as you're hearing them, you're making a mental note to remember each and every detail so you can retell them to someone else. I know that a lot of you really enjoyed episode 3, which was all about the Hollinwell incident, so today I decided to dive into another totally wild and as yet unexplained mystery that of the Overton Bridge, or as it's unfortunately known, the Dog Suicide Bridge. A fair warning right from the start, this story does involve some distressing details involving dogs, but as a massive dog lover myself, I've been really careful not to include anything too graphic. So do be prepared, but I promise to be sensitive on that front. This story is honestly so fascinating that I couldn't not cover it. In some ways, it's similar to the Hollinwell incident in that there are multiple possible explanations, which we'll explore. But unlike the Hollinwell incident, this story takes place over years rather than just one day. So if you're with me, let's get into the story. A few weeks ago, my friend Andy sent me an email with a podcast episode suggestion, and it was the Overton Bridge mystery. Now, Andy is a magician. He's absolutely incredible, by the way. I'll leave a link to his website in the show notes. He is the best. So I wasn't very surprised to find out that this case has some potential links with the supernatural. But before we get into that side of things, let's talk about the bridge itself. Overton Bridge is located within the Overton Estate, which is in Dumbarton in Scotland. For reference, Dumbarton is around 13 miles or 21 kilometres away from Glasgow, and it has an estimated population of around 20,400 people. So within the grounds of the estate, you have the amazing Overton House, which was first commissioned to be built in 1859 by a man called James White, who was a wealthy industrialist. It took four years and over 1,000 men to build the house, and it really is stunning. It looks like a grand castle. It was the White family's country house for many, many years, but today it's home to an organisation called the Centre for Hope and Healing, which is a residential centre for women in crisis, and it also has a tea room which is open to the public. The grounds are also open and you can walk and hike around the estate, have picnics, enjoy the Victorian architecture, but whilst all of that sounds fantastic there is a very dark side to this beautiful Scottish landmark. The bridge itself was finished in 1895 and it was built as part of works to connect the east and west sides of the estate, which were separated by a small river called the Overton Burn, and the bridge served as an ornate yet very useful addition to the estate. It has three archways and stretches over the 58 feet or around 17 and a half metre gorge below. The valley below the bridge is very rocky and full of sharp branches and rough greenery based on the photos I've seen, and it's definitely not the kind of place where you'd want to get too close to the walls of the bridge, or at least I wouldn't. The drop is very steep and it looks very treacherous. The bridge itself has a wide footpath and looks to be very accessible, and it's definitely a key footpath within the grounds. 
When I studied a map of the estate, it seems that the bridge would be a key crossing point between the house and the main car park and the rest of the estate and all of the grounds. So I imagine there is a lot of footfall over it on a daily basis. One group of people who are understandably very attracted to the grounds are dog walkers. And whilst the huge open spaces within the estate are perfect for dogs to run free and get their exercise, things have occasionally turned horribly sinister when it comes to them crossing the Overton Bridge. Let's turn the clock back to the 1950s. Just a few years earlier in 1939, actually on the eve of the start of the Second World War, Dr Douglas White had sold off some of the Overton land and donated the estate to the people of Dumbarton, which is pretty incredible. He'd inherited the estate in 1931 from his uncle, John Campbell White, also known as Lord Overton, who was the son of the original owner, James White. John, or Lord Overton, had actually died in 1908, and his widow, Grace Eliza McClure, continued to live in the house until she passed away in 1931. They hadn't had any children, and that's why the estate passed to their nephew, Douglas. I know that was a lot of names and dates, but John's widow, Grace, does become important again later in the story, so be sure to remember her name. Anyway, by the 1950s and 60s, the area had become a popular local walking spot and even a play space for children, but the Overton Bridge had started to gain a different reputation altogether. Chillingly, there had been a growing number of reports of dogs either leaping or falling from the bridge, with some sources even claiming several dogs jumped for a second time if they survived the first, and residents had started to refer to the bridge as the Bridge of Death or the Dog Suicide Bridge. To this day, whilst the exact numbers vary quite dramatically between sources, it's believed between 300 and 600 dogs have leapt from the bridge into the ravine below, and it's thought at least 50 of those poor things have actually died as a result. It honestly breaks my heart. I know it's really awful, but because it's so weird, I couldn't help but want to look deeper and deeper into this wild phenomenon. Now, most of the cases that have been properly documented happened from the 1990s onwards, and one story that really got me was featured in a 2019 article from The Independent newspaper. In the piece, a lady called Lottie McKinnon, who had grown up in the neighbouring village of Milton, described the day three years earlier when she was walking her border collie, Bonnie, across the Overton Bridge, saying, "'Something overcame Bonnie as soon as we approached the bridge.' At first she froze, but then she became possessed by a strange energy and ran and jumped right off the parapet. Despite being completely horrified and I'm sure in a total state of shock, Lottie was determined to try and help Bonnie and she actually climbed down the gorge through the mess of trees and greenery to look for her. That alone must have been so scary, but luckily Lottie was able to spot Bonnie at the bottom of the valley, although she had prepared herself for Bonnie not surviving the steep fall. When she started to approach her beloved pet, Bonnie started to whimper and tried to stand up. Lottie could not believe that Bonnie was alive and said it was a miracle that she survived. I was a bit emotional when I first read this story. I think even more so because my sister's dog is called Bonnie and she's like my actual niece. I love her so much. So when I read that Bonnie survived, I was extra relieved. 
countless other dog owners have spoken out about their own terrifying experiences too, both in newspaper interviews and documentaries. A few years ago, the Science Channel did a feature on the Overton Bridge mystery and included interviews with several people who had watched their dogs go from behaving totally normally one second to jumping straight over the side of the bridge the next. One local man, Eugene Hogan, was walking his five-year-old golden Labrador named Drift around the Overton estate. It was a beautiful sunny Sunday in 1995 and the pair were walking over the bridge when Eugene says that out of nowhere, Drift leapt over the bridge wall. In a book later written by Paul Owens, which we'll talk a lot more about later, he said, quote, something just gripped it. Something went through it like a poltergeist. Don't worry, we'll be getting a lot deeper into that side of things later too. I tried to find out whether poor Drift survived the fall, but I couldn't get a definitive answer. It's honestly the stuff of nightmares. I can only imagine the horror that he must have felt watching it happen. It's awful. On another occasion in 2011, a couple named David and Louise McPhail had taken their Labrador Sophie and their little Jack Russell out for a walk. Nothing seemed out of the ordinary about their excursion that evening, and although the pair had joked that they perhaps shouldn't be walking Sophie in the area given the bridge's sinister reputation, they could have never imagined how distressing of a turn their day was about to take. Just seconds after making the joke, David heard Louise's voice shouting frantically, saying, Sophie's jumped off the bridge, she's jumped off the bridge. Louise noted that it happened so fast in just seconds and when speaking to the Daily Record she said we were joking about it because we knew of the history and thought there's no way dogs jump off this bridge. Literally as we were saying that we saw her jumping off. She got up and I thought she was just leaving the water to die. David ran down to help Sophie and Louise remembers that she had a couple of cuts. She had her tail between her legs and was a bit dazed. Dave said if she had landed a foot in any direction around her, she could have hit the rocks and died. I can't believe it. I was so shocked. Miraculously, and I really mean miraculously, those few minor cuts were the only injuries Sophie sustained and I'm very happy to report that she made a full recovery. There are dozens of other accounts that you can read and interviews you can watch of dog owners recounting their experiences on the bridge, so definitely do check out the articles I'll mention at the end of this episode for sure, but I wanted to delve into the possible explanations for what on earth causes this bizarre canine behaviour. As with many unsolved mysteries, there are numerous explanations that have been presented over the years, and some of them are very, very intriguing. So let's begin with one of the most widely accepted and acknowledged theories or set of theories which were presented by a leading animal behaviourist named Dr David Sands. In 2005 he was contacted by a television director who asked him if he believed it was possible for dogs to die by suicide. His immediate reaction was no. Whilst he recognised that certain animal species may exhibit certain behaviours if they believe they're close to death, such as finding a quiet spot to pass away if they're fatally injured or very, very ill, 
he didn't believe that a dog could take the active decision to end their own life. He asked the director why he'd raised the question and was soon introduced to the strange world of the Overton Bridge phenomenon. Dr. Sands decided he needed to see the location for himself. And once he arrived, he explains that he tried to look at the bridge from a dog's perspective. On his website, he wrote, I walked its full length and tried to put my mind into that of a dog. The entry point at the far side of the bridge stands at the end of an innocuous looking tarmacadam pathway, lined either side by trees and impenetrable bushes. The path slopes downwards and curves away until it disappears. A lively dog would likely crisscross a path from either side to explore the undergrowth. There are no slopes or cliff edges on this approaching path. Dr. Sands then made his way onto the bridge and from there he started to theorise about the way a dog might view its surroundings when crossing it. He said that the walls of the bridge might create both visual and sound barriers to a dog and that the ivy-covered top sections of some part of the bridge walls would create an additional optical illusion. Therefore, he wondered whether all of these factors could result in a dog having no clue that the drop from over the side of the bridge was even there until it was too late. Now on its own, this is already quite compelling. If you look at the photos of the bridge and try to imagine it from a dog's eye view, it does make sense that they simply might not even realise that they were walking along such an elevated platform. It's easy to imagine that a dog might think that the bridge was just an extension of the previous flat ground that they'd been walking on before they reached the bridge. Another theory that Dr. Sands actually investigated at length during the course of several documentaries actually, was all around whether a strong scent was luring the dogs to make that leap down into the gorge. And this is probably one of the most common explanations I've seen discussed in this mystery. Dr. Sand's initial thoughts were that in an area like Overton, there would likely be scents from animals like rats, squirrels and stoats all over the grounds. But he also noted that the first reports of dogs jumping from the bridge coincided with the start of mink farming in the UK. During his experiments, both he and several other experts found strong evidence of mink and otter activity in the area, which really strengthened his theories. It's also been noted that many of the dogs who do jump are long-snouted breeds, and they might have more sensitive senses of smell, picking up animal scents more easily. In a comment on his YouTube channel, Dr. Sands explains that he believes a combination of factors have caused the phenomenon, including scent, the structure of the bridge, wind direction, and also owner cues, which is interesting. He believes dog owners and other walkers would often peer over the sides of the bridge to see what was below, and this could act as a sort of invitation for dogs to explore the other side of the walls for themselves. Speaking to the New York Times, one of the current custodians of Overton House, Bob Hill, partially agreed with Dr. Sand's findings, saying, the dogs catch the scent of mink, pine martins, or some other mammal, and then they will jump up on the wall of the bridge, and because it's tapered, they will just topple over. Dr. Sands concluded the article on his website by saying, Suffice it to say, my verdict will always be misadventure and never dog suicide. Now, when I'd finished researching Dr. Sand's theories, the logical part of my brain was quite satisfied with these ideas, and a lot of them really do make sense. 
But when I took a step back and I remembered just how many dogs have jumped in this one spot, I just personally couldn't accept that these explanations were the only thing at play. It's just too weird. I've never heard of anything else like it. And whilst I do believe that Dr. Sand's conclusions have a lot of merit, I can't understand why these factors haven't come together anywhere else in the world to create the same effect on dogs or any other animals, or at least not that I've ever come across. So I had to dig deeper and I ended up going down a rather paranormal rabbit hole. And this is where the story gets a whole lot weirder. For context, many local residents believe that Dumbarton and the Overton estate in particular has strong links with the supernatural. One local taxi driver, a man called Alistair Dutton, told The Independent that, quote, people in Dumbarton are very superstitious. We grew up playing in the Overton grounds and we believe in ghosts here because we've all seen or felt spirits up here. As I mentioned earlier in the episode, Eugene Hogan believed that something akin to a poltergeist had affected his dog Drift's behaviour before leaping off the bridge, and Lottie McKinnon also mentioned that her dog Bonnie had become possessed by a strange energy before she jumped too. Let's first of all look at the area itself in relation to a belief held by pagan Celts, amongst others, the notion of a thin place. In a nutshell, according to the belief, A thin place is an area where the distance between heaven and earth is drastically reduced and where divine and spiritual happenings can take place. Many people believe that the Overton Bridge could well be a thin place. Although this isn't a set in stone rule, thin places are often quiet, tranquil and surrounded by nature as well as historically significant. So this area does fit the bill. Personally, I believe that dogs are able to tune into and are very sensitive to different vibrations, if you will. Just from my own experience, my childhood dog, who was the best little West Highland Terrier ever, she was called Poppy, and she was so in tune with all of us in our house. It was amazing. If I was ever having an emotional teenage moment in my room, which I often did, The next thing I'd know, Poppy would be scratching at my door, wanting to come in, and then she'd jump up on my bed for a cuddle. When she passed away, I remember visiting my auntie and uncle's house, and their gorgeous black Labrador wouldn't leave my side. It's like he knew how devastated I was. He came and sat next to me on the sofa, and he put his head on my shoulder, rested it there, and just looked up into my eyes for around 10-15 minutes. It's something I will never forget. He was just lovely. But all this is to say that I really do think that dogs can sense things that they can't necessarily see with their eyes or hear with their ears. So could it be that some of the dogs crossing the bridge have sensed that it's a thin place and that's had a drastic effect on their behaviour? Or perhaps the thin place is actually at the bottom of the valley below and they feel something calling them down there. I think it's possible, although I don't subscribe to any particular religion myself. I believe in spiritual energy, and I do think that certain locations can have a strong spiritual pull. But on the other hand, if Overton Bridge is a thin place, which sounds like it should be quite a pleasant and calming thing, why would it result in so many precious dogs losing their lives? One explanation could be that whilst a thin place could mean the veil between heaven and earth is more delicate, 
it could also mean that the distance between hell and earth is reduced, leading to dark spirits being able to more easily cross over into our realm. This leads us on to an altogether more sinister theory, and possibly the most talked about alternative explanation in recent years. Meet Paul Owens. He's the author that I mentioned earlier in the episode. He's a teacher in religion and philosophy and lives in nearby Glasgow. 11 years after becoming fascinated with Overton Bridge and the strange happenings in the area, he published a book called The Baron of Rainbow Bridge, Unraveling Overton's Death-Leaping Dog Mystery. Paul is a super interesting character, often dressed in velvet jackets with perfectly pressed cravats. He seems wonderfully eccentric, so naturally I was incredibly intrigued about his thoughts on the mystery. The crux of Paul's suggestion is that a ghost could be behind the terrible incidents that take place on the bridge, and that as dogs are super sensitive to supernatural presences, this could be causing them to act strangely. He's quoted in the Lennox Herald as saying, Dogs have leapt from Overton Bridge in all seasons and from every part of the viaduct, with teams of scientists, animal experts, psychics, ghost hunters and dowsers all visiting the bridge. There has been little agreement between mystery hunters as to the cause of the dog leaping phenomenon, but they are all agreed on one overriding fact. It happens. With new evidence gathered from teams of psychics, ghost hunters and dowsers who carried out research at the bridge, a new picture of Overton is emerging, a supernatural one. These findings are consistent with those who have crossed Overton Bridge, but I look in-depth at all theories in the book and readers will have the chance to make up their own minds. Paul's sentiment that Overton could indeed be a supernatural hotspot has been echoed by many other local residents who recognise that ghost and spirit encounters have been part of the estate's long history. And the key figure who the believers in this theory think is haunting the grounds? The lady whose name I told you to remember at the start of this episode, the late Lady Overton, Grace Eliza McClure, or as she's more commonly referred to around Dumbarton, the White Lady of Overton. There are countless reports of sightings or experiences with a spirit that people believe to be Grace, both around the bridge and the grounds, but also in Overton House itself. A Dumbarton resident named Marion Murray told The Independent that the lady lived alone in grief for more than 30 years after her husband died in 1908. Her ghost has been lurking around here ever since. She's been sighted in windows and walking around the grounds. Now, white lady ghosts are commonly associated with people who lived a tragic life, or at least tragic final years, and with Grace McClure being a widow who grieved for her husband alone in the house for three decades, this would add up. Another local named Ian Fisher, who's a retired police officer, spoke in Paul's book about his experience as he was walking over the bridge with Jess, his border collie. He said, I noticed a grey, shadowy figure standing at one of the bay windows. It was there for a few seconds and then it was gone. What was strange was that Overton House was unoccupied at that time. There is actually a very interesting photograph which appears to show a ghostly figure in one of the windows of the house, which I'll be sure to post on Instagram for you to see. I'd love to know what you make of it. 
Paul Owens has said he's definitely experienced the feeling of a presence on the bridge before and has noted that the spiritual feel of the place can turn very quickly, feeling happy one moment and intensely dark the next. This feeling has also been discussed by the current tenants of the house, Bob and Melissa Hill, who acknowledge that there is definitely a spiritual presence around the area. And even Dr David Sands noted that the bridge has a strange feeling. So what do I think? For me, whilst the scientific explanations do sound reasonable, I think I'd be much more inclined to accept them with no further questions if we were talking about, say, 10 dogs jumping off the bridge since the 1950s. But we're talking hundreds, and something inside me just can't accept that nothing else is at play here bar an optical illusion of flat ground paired with animal sense luring dogs over the side. I think there is something more paranormal that exists in the area, and due to my own personal experiences, which I'll actually be talking to you about in an upcoming episode, I'm inclined to believe that spirits with a connection to the house might still be present. In fact, when I was mulling this theory over, I thought to myself, I bet Lord and Lady Overton had pet dogs themselves. And I was right. In a Scottish Daily Express article, Paul Owens is quoted as saying, Lady Overton had a dog herself. She liked dogs and she used to walk her dog on the bridge every day. It got me thinking that if her spirit or her ghost is somewhere still around the estate or even on the bridge, could she be encouraging the dogs to jump over and pass away so that their spirits can stay with her and she won't be lonely anymore? Paul Owens went on to say, The dogs are not being put into a state of fear. I believe they are seeing a vision around the edge of the bridge and the dog leaps over the wall only to find a 60-foot drop on the other side. She may be calling the dog to her. This particular vision has been seen by many, many people. A woman dressed in Victorian clothes, clutching her hands in anguish. Lady Overton's name is actually also carved into the stone at one end of the bridge. Honestly, this is the theory that really gets me. I actually really want to visit the estate and see how I feel when I'm there. I'll have to see if I can convince any of my family or friends to come with me, obviously leaving their lovely dogs at home. There were just a couple of other things I wanted to mention at the end of this episode, with the first one being around another question I had when researching this story, which was, why are there no warnings to dog owners to keep their pets on leads when around the bridge? Well, as far as I can tell, whilst a local Member of Parliament did at one point campaign to get warning signs placed around the bridge, it's really tricky to find out any more about this, even the MP's name, so I have no idea where the signs were ever put up. If anyone does know, please do get in touch as I really hope something might have been done, but I'm not sure. The final thing is something I'm quite hesitant to add, which is why I'm mentioning it at the very end rather than in amongst the other stories, but... A tragedy involving humans rather than dogs did take place on the bridge in 1994. This is very disturbing and does involve a child, so if you would like to skip ahead, please do so. But in October 1994, a man named Kevin Moy, who was suffering from schizophrenia with paranoia, threw his two-week-old baby son, who was named Owen, to his death from the bridge. He'd become convinced that Owen was an incarnation of the devil, and after killing his son, he attempted to take his own life several times at the bridge too, but was stopped from doing so and placed into a psychiatric hospital. 
I'm sorry to even tell you that story, it's just a horrible, but it's often cited in articles about the bridge. In my opinion though, it's not the best idea to discuss this case with the wider Overton Bridge mystery as this was quite clearly the result of a severe mental health crisis and it feels disrespectful to Owen's memory to try and tie his death in with what I believe is something separate and unrelated. I know that was a really tragic note to end the episode on but I thought it was important. So I cannot wait to find out what you all think of this story. Which side of the mystery do you find most compelling? Do you lean more towards the scientific explanations or are you convinced something more paranormal or supernatural is at play? Please do send me all of your thoughts and theories. I've been enjoying reading your messages and comments after every episode more than I can say. So do feel free to get in touch. Before I tell you all the ways you can do so, I wanted to shout out all of the sources that helped me research this episode and there were a good number of them. So there was that article from The Independent from the 2nd of April, 2019. Two pieces from the Daily Record, one from 2011 and one from 2018. The OvertonHouse.org website, an article from CuriousArchive.com, a New York Times article from 2012, Dr David Sands' website, ProblemPets.co.uk, that documentary from the Science Channel and the Lennox Herald. Okay, so there are loads of ways you can get in touch. You can email me at thingsgetweirdpodcast at gmail.com. Our Instagram is at thingsgetweirdpodcast and I'll be posting that ghostly photo taken of one of the Overton House windows, so be sure to check that out. Our Twitter handle is at aboutttogetweird and there's also the Facebook page and the private discussion group too. I'd love you to join in the conversations there, so if you search things are about to get weird on Facebook, you'll find both. Just click request to join the discussion group and I'll approve it as soon as possible. Every single time I see a new rating or review come up on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, it genuinely makes my day, it really does. It's super quick and easy to do, so if you've enjoyed this episode, please do click those stars or write a line or so in a review. I'm so grateful to everybody who shows their support that way. Until next time, take care of yourself and others and keep it weird, but the good kind of weird. <laughs>